Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Broke Girl Society podcast. I'm Christina, your host. Thank you so much for listening in. And today we have Maria. And Maria is a woman who's experienced gambling harm for herself. And she is one of the few who have chosen to talk about it in her own podcast called the Feeling Better Podcast. And I have mentioned this podcast in the Broke Girl Society Facebook group, and I've listened to it. And I'm excited to have this conversation with her, um, podcaster to podcaster, and and talk about not only her story, uh, what led her to start her own podcast, but also kind of how it feels sharing on this on this level, you know, this vulnerability that it takes to to share our stories. So hi, Maria. Thank you so much for being here. Hi, Christina. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to finally connect with you and be on this podcast chatting with you. Yeah, I was really excited. I think a couple of months back, um, a mutual friend, Brian Hatch, had mentioned your podcast and I hadn't I hadn't caught it yet. And he sent me a, a message and I guess you guys maybe had had a chat or he had come across it. And I was like, are you kidding me? Another woman who's who's talking about their gambling harm experience in a podcast? Yes, yes, yes. Um, you know, there are a few of us that do. But like to me, the more is the better, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I actually did an interview with Brian on his podcast and I, it was just so new into it and new into the space. All of this was so new that I wasn't even aware. Well, I had come across your podcast before and listened to a couple of episodes, but I wasn't aware of how closely you were tied and really how tight knit this whole community is and how many others are out there, especially in the space of women and that you had your own group. And then I even had some of the members of the BGS society of the group message me and email me and say, Hey, I'm listening now. So it's just really an honor to be here. And I'm, I'm just so thrilled that you're doing what you do because it's so very meaningful. Yeah. And I, and I appreciate, you know, the fact that you're, you're doing it too, and that you're sharing your story. So let's kind of, uh, for those who haven't caught your podcast yet, let's, um, can we talk about some of your backstory and like how, what I found interesting about your story is how quickly uh, mm-hmm. gambling harm took over for you. And I think if you've had lots of conversations with people in this uh, community, you'll hear stories of where it was like a slow burn. Like for right. me, gambling was a slow burn. I gambled probably five, seven years. And in that five, seven years, I'm not saying it wasn't a problem. I'm just saying it wasn't as devastating as it was. So it, it did take a while for it to really, um, catch my life on fire. But in other instances, it's that first win it's instant. So how was that for you? Oh, it was so instant. And what was really weird about it was I had no background in gambling at all, really with the exception of a few times in my twenties, when I went to the Detroit casinos, And there is a mid-Michigan tribal casino called the Soaring Eagle that has a hotel and conference center. And I went there for a couple of work events and just some fun outings with friends or family, maybe, I don't know, half a dozen times, eight, 10 times, something like that. And always just went there more kind of hanging out at the bar or people watching or enjoying concerts. And even though I played slots a few times, it wasn't anything that 
caught me or gave me any kind of like nudgy feeling that, oh, this is something I could really get hooked on. Not at all. And um, I even tell in my podcast about uh, a time in 2017 where I had several hours to myself and I was in the area and I went to the Soaring Eagle and sat down and put a 20 in and within 10 minutes, won $500. And I was like, and I got up and I took my ticket and went to the cashier and I left and I had taken a half hour to even get there. So I never had anything that even remotely suggested any type of problem with gambling. I was always very frugal. I'm a country gal. I live out on my homestead with my husband and I'm, you know, really responsible and down to earth and just, just not my character to do something like that or to fall into that. But then last summer, uh, I had kind of a midlife crisis, I guess you could say, where my favorite cat died unexpectedly and kind of traumatically. And I was feeling a little bit of grief or regret or remorse about not having kids, just hitting that point in my life where it was like, all of a sudden, it, I just realized, oh, that's a huge piece that's missing. And that stemmed from losing my cat. It was just kind of all, you know, culminated into one little pity party, I guess. And I had been playing, um, well, I'd bought some tickets for the Mega Millions, which had hit a billion dollars. My sister showed me how to download the app and buy the tickets on the app. And I had won 10 bucks and I wasn't able to withdraw it. And so I played one of their suggested online games, which I actually just found out today, Christina, bot games, that those Michigan lottery app games are not regulated by the Michigan control game but they're actually like online virtual scratch off, virtual scratch off or reveal games. So they have a different set of odds and different sets of rules and regulations. But anyways, I won a little bit, couldn't withdraw that and just kept playing, but found for about an hour that I didn't have any feelings of grief. I wasn't depressed. I wasn't thinking about all the things I didn't have. And the pity party disappeared for a little bit. And it felt good because I also won some money. So there's a little bit of that dopamine rush. And so the next night I laid in bed again, it was evening, my husband's outside doing stuff. And it was just this, for me at the time, this way to relax and decompress and do something fun and living out in the country, I don't spend money on like, you know, mall shopping or going out to restaurants or dates or concerts or anything like that. We're pretty frugal. And so I justified it as a little bit of me time, but I'm just telling you within weeks, I don't know, it was just all the right mechanisms of my brain clicked and whatever, however they use the algorithms of the the games and the slots, it just almost instantly created this just compulsion to keep playing. And then I hit my deposit threshold on the Michigan Lottery app and began I mean, literally, I remember the moment where I thought, oh, I wonder what other games are out there that I can play real money. <laughs> and it was just like that Rubicon. Once I crossed it and I discovered all those other casino apps, it was downhill from there. So, I mean, within weeks and such a, such a, ma- it was almost just, I don't know, I, I, I liken it to like some kind of earthquake <laughs> that happened in my life that just completely took me down and caused massive, massive devastation. What kind of time span are we are we talking about? Well, this was the end of July last year, and I distinctly remember like 
by mid-August sitting outside in my lunch hour and trying to do all my work because I work from home really fast during the day and get everything done that I needed to get done so I could take a little bit extra long lunch and play during lunch. And then immediately when I'm done with my workday, go back outside just because it was nice out and it was a little bit of alone time and then play there and then go lay down in bed and play some more and just play all evening long. And my husband, um, I don't didn't really know, or if he noticed, like he would just ask me, Hey, what are you doing? And just, I don't know, just playing some online games, just decompressing. And it never occurred to him that it was actually gambling. He, cause I used to play some word games and wordle and things like that. Um, so it, it wasn't even like three or four weeks before I was completely hooked. And then how long did it take before you started to really look at what was going on and like what changed that you were like, I can't, I can't do this. Was it like a, a debt ceiling? Was it a, um, you know, conversation with your spouse? Was it, or was it just maybe realizing it with yourself? Sorry about that. That was my take out the trash alarm. Um, yeah. So there came a point um, by mid to end of September when I had, I found myself maxed out on all my credit cards and completely depleted our checking account. And I don't know why it just, you put up those blinders and you just choose not to look at it and ignore it. And I just kept thinking, I will get that back. I will get that back. But there was a point that I talk about um, in my podcast where in October, I had a work trip I had to go to and I wanted to play money so badly and I was out of everything. I had nothing left to deposit. And so I reversed a plane ticket that I was supposed that I bought for my conference for work and used that money to play and uh, just played, played it down and started panicking and started thinking up all these lies that I'd have to tell in order to get out of it. And and then I managed to win some money. Um, I won a little jackpot and then I ended up reversing it, but I kept enough to at least keep that ticket. But that whole episode was so traumatic for me. Um, I go into detail about it. I think, I don't know, episode three or four, I don't recall on my podcast, but it was so traumatic that I realized then that I had a serious problem and that I was in deep and over my head and that I needed to tell my husband. And so that very next day was when I broke down and confessed to my husband. And that was, I say, the uh, the worst moment or one of the worst moments in all of that time because it just, it was awful. I felt so badly for him. He was really, really upset. But he was an addict himself. He had a heroin addiction back in his 20s. And so he understood addiction and he had overcome that. And he awesome right now and but he he knew what it was like to have an addiction and so after the initial shock uh he supported me 100 and has been amazing ever since and so he's been my rock this whole time and I couldn't have done any of it getting past all of that without him well I'm so glad that you had a good support system to kind of help help you navigate the next steps um has can I ask you what your next steps were? Yeah, absolutely. So um, he had made me promise not to gamble anymore. And I said, okay, I wouldn't. And I held that for a few weeks and did not have any, really any comprehension or understanding of what to do or where to go because there aren't any GA meetings in our area. 
And I didn't think that calling the 800 number or anything like that would be helpful to me. I don't know why. I just didn't think it would. And so I got, I started slowly getting back into it and stumbling and reversed a couple more jackpots and just really struggled with that whole process of trying to quit and making promises to God, making promises to myself and putting in a cool out period and then, oh, depositing and then reversing. And it just, that, that time period between October and December or January, my last day was in January, January 10th was so just mentally and physically and spiritually traumatic that if I finally got to a point where I'm a Christian and my faith is the most important thing to me. And I had found myself not only breaking a gazillion promises to God, but also feeling like he couldn't forgive me or that I had gone too far or I had done too much too bad ever be forgiven or to become a good person again. Like I really thought, okay, I have become somebody that is absolutely detestable. I can't deal with it anymore. And I had a total breakdown in January and just, I got on my knees, sobbed, prayed. I was sobbing in the shower, just total meltdown all on my own without my husband, because he didn't know at that point I was still going through it. And then I don't know. I just, I, I had listened to this church sermon podcast. Um, I'm so jealous that you live in Oklahoma because Life Church has saved me through this whole ordeal. And they have a bunch of campuses and Pastor Craig Rochelle's sermons have just like, I don't know, if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't be here right now. And so he had this sermon called, um, There's a Purpose in Your Pain. And I listened to it one night that in January, just desperate, alone, just full of despair and anguish, um, suicidal thoughts. And then I listened to that and I just had this little light bulb moment of, you know what, this is a spiritual attack and maybe I'm supposed to go through this for a reason. Maybe something's going to come out of this because this is not, this. there's a reason this happened. One minute I was this person and now I'm this person and the chasm was so deep between them. It had to be for a purpose. And so that just gave me enough of a spark to start considering that there's a reason I was going through it and that I started to see it as a spiritual attack. And once I had that perspective, I was able to just put together, I'm like, okay, I'm going to put together this plan here. I am going to put together a plan just like you would anything else. If you're getting out of debt, if you're going on a diet, if you're you know, trying to clean your house or whatever it is, I sat down and just wrote out this plan of how I need to get through this. And it was a 10 week plan and I came up with all this stuff and I started writing it out and it actually kind of sort of turned into like a manual. And then I thought to myself, well, wait, I could probably turn this into a book and maybe help other people as well. So while I was going through my own plan, I wrote out the book for that plan, included my story. And then as I was finishing up, I thought, you know, people aren't going to be able to afford this book if they have problem gambling harm or have suffered financially. So why don't I turn it into a free podcast where people can listen to it without having to buy the book? And so that's how the whole thing started. So my podcast is actually the first 15 episodes, me reading that book, The Feeling Better verbatim with the whole 10-week plan and my story woven through it. And then 
once I finished that, which I'm only on episode, I don't know, 21, I think is this week or 22. And so I'm, I'm not that far into it. So once I finished that piece of it, now I'm just addressing different topics that are meaningful to me, or maybe people wrote into me and said, Hey, Maria, can you talk about these things? Or can you, you know, expound on this particular topic? And so, so that's how that all came about. And, you know, Brian had asked me on his podcast, um, you know, did you go to any meetings? Did you do any Zoom meetings? Did you call any numbers? And I honestly didn't. But what I did rely on were a lot of podcasts like yours and like his, and also the Reddit community, the problem gambling Reddit community, and also um, many, many church sermons, uh, in particular from Life Church. So, yeah. I remember listening to your episode where you talk about Life Church and and in Oklahoma, and I thought, oh, that's interesting, you know, all the way here in Oklahoma. Um, and and I just have to say, I I I think anybody who knows me or listens to me knows that I'm extremely um, open to however anybody chooses to recover. I feel like there's no right way. There's no wrong way. As long as we're moving forward, we're healing and doing that internal work, you know, that exactly that shows up. And to me, you know, gambling is a symptom of internal issues. And so for me, like my compulsive behavior, my self-destructive behavior, those, those are all things when I'm like emotionally overwhelmed or my life is really chaotic. Those are things that, that really kind of start to boil up in me. So I think for me, you know, working on those internal issues, however, I needed to do it was going to be the biggest part of my recovery. And, you know, therapy, podcast meetings, I, I tried everything. I dabbled in everything and I'm a person that has faith. Um, but I'm still, I'm still trying to understand it for myself. Um, but I understand that, you know, higher power, you know, has a hand in all of this and, um, just trying to find out what is going to, just keep me moving forward and keeping me, you know, going on the right track and, and, and doing all that. So it's, I always find it interesting when I hear people's stories and I'm always like, so what was your first part of recovery? Because it sounds like you were similar to me. And as far as like, I didn't even acknowledge that what I was going through was an addiction because I didn't know. Right. I didn't know that I was struggling with a gambling addiction. I just knew that I had issues that I wasn't dealing with. Um, I was in, when it first really became problematic, I was in an abusive relationship and I didn't know how to deal with it. And I was mad at myself because I couldn't deal with it. And I ended up, you know, that ended up pushing me further into my gambling. Um, I had to have a hysterectomy at a fairly early age, you know, for a woman, um, which took away my chances of having children on my own. And that was something that I never really addressed. Like, oh, I'm having a hysterectomy. Yay. No more periods. But it was, it was so much more than that. And, you know, when you talk about the moment of like, oh, I didn't have any kids. It's like, I feel that because I remember not really feeling it at the time. And then it just kind of like this grief that I can't really explain sometimes will boil up. Like, oh, I always wanted to be a mother, but from circumstances I wasn't. Um, or it didn't happen for me. And so that's still an emotion that I still to this day have to work through and acknowledge and move through that. So when it comes to kind of working through those internal issues, how do you feel 
you navigated that for your recovery? That's a really great question. Um, in my, my recent episode, I just uploaded last week, I had asked the question, why, and I'm sure you've asked this a zillion times yourself, why do some people or why do a lot of people have the ability to play games or bet or go to casinos or play on the app and not get addicted? But then there are those of us that do. And I said there are an infinite number of answers, but it all, in my opinion, boils down to one word, and that's imbalance. And that imbalance can stem from not dealing from, with a, a loss, grieving, whether it's a, a parent or a brother or sister or mate or whatever it is. It might be, in my case, I had an imbalance in my spiritual life where I was saying I was a Christian, I was pretending I was a Christian, but I didn't have that real deep connection and relationship with God that I I knew I should have or that I wanted to have. And I also had an imbalance in my marriage with some codependence, enabling behaviors and habits that needed to be addressed. And then I also had imbalance in my job where I talked about that as well, where I just was really, really struggling and it, it wasn't the right fit and I wasn't making progress and being successful, even though that was okay with my employers. It wasn't, it was really crushing my ego and causing some financial issues as well. And so all of that culminated the grief and the the marriage and my job and my spiritual relationship kind of all culminated, culminated at one point where it, I, I liken it to a piece of glass that has a bunch of cracks in it. And then that gambling app, it just, or the, the compulsive gambling tendencies was the catalyst that kind of broke it all, right? And gave the death more than once about broke girl society. That's how it was for me. And I think that there are a lot of disconnected people out there who have imbalance, especially in today's day and age, because of social media or not having those personal connections and those friends, like in the olden days when we grew up where you just had that band of brothers or sisters you could always play with or rely on or hang out with or talk to and there's just all this strife, whether it's social or political or, you know, whatever. And then the economy, there's a lot of stuff for people to deal with. And this was such an outlet that just numbed it all and gave you enough dopamine and enough adrenaline to mask it. And that's what happened with me. And so, um, unfortunately, uh, in my state, at least, they're really capitalizing on it and making it so very easy to play, to gamble. In fact, I just read today that Michigan is going to be allowing online horse racing through the casino apps. And I know you've talked about like how you didn't know at first the different kinds of gambling that there were out there, you know, that you just didn't have that aware. There's something that they're going to allow soon. They just approved it called virtual sports betting where people can bet on fake like football games, like video games that are football games or there aren't even real things, but you can still bet on them. That's going to be coming soon. And I just said to my husband this morning, like, God forbid if we have another lockdown because Michigan didn't even have online gaming until 2021. And so if anything like that ever happens again, like, you know, just think about how, how, mentally stressed we all were during that time 
And now imagine something like that happening again, where now you've got all these online casinos where you can drown your sorrows in, or, or if you're stuck in your home or in your apartment, you've got something to do. I just, it's such a ticking time bomb. It was for me and it is for so many others. And I'm honestly surprised. I shouldn't be, but I'm honestly surprised at how many Christians have emailed me and said, oh my gosh, I'm so thankful that you're out there because it, I didn't think there was any resources for me and any of the addiction or support groups at church are all around drugs and alcohol. And a lot of these are women. So it's just, uh, I think we're only at the cusp of this, unfortunately. Yeah. And I think too, it's, it's important to have like a voice and space for women in particular. And that's always been my format, you know, from the beginning is, you know, as these, these things grow, a lot of attention gets, gets put on uh, sports betting and, and different things. And so, you know, there's a lot of attention on that and that's all great. And you'll hear me say this a dozen times, like any, anytime we're talking about gambling harm in any capacity, I'm tremendously grateful but I don't want women to be put on the sideline because they think, oh, well, women aren't as big of an issue. Um, there are women sports betters. There are, you know, majority of the women I come across these days are online betters. Um, and, you know, I think it's just always important to have the space of women talking about gambling harm, because the one thing that a lot of us have in, in common are just, just the fact that we are, you know, most of us are the main caregivers in our family. Um, and you know, you talked about imbalance and that's something that a lot of women I think can relate to, um, imbalance in a lot of different, I just think if you're a mother, a wife, you know, a friend, a daughter, a sister, you know, whatever you are in this, in this life, um, there's always going to be a little bit of imbalance. Like we, we're never going to get it just right. But I think having these conversations, it helps us be more aware of where the imbalances are and how important it is to really focus on leveling out. Um, and we've got to put ourselves first, right? It's that ripple effect. We've got to put ourselves first, make sure that we're good, making sure that we're getting the healing that we need, that we're feeling safe, that we're talking and doing those things so that it can ripple out to the people that we care for and the people that we love. And so I think, you know, those types of messages are always going to be where we unite. Oh, yeah, absolutely. In fact, it's kind of funny. Um, I have noticed in my short 20, 21 episodes or whatever, that when I spend an episode talking more about the spiritual topics, um, about when I'm, I'm referring to scripture, a lot of it refers to the the fact that God forgives us and that God loves us and that there is actually joy and purpose in our testing and trials because it brings us into a new light and it shows us the areas of our lives that need fixing and that God's refining us and he's molding us and shaping us into something better. And um, my episode at next week, but the week after I, I'm going to, I'm truly going to talk about with all 100% honesty how at this point, I know it sounds crazy, Christina, but I am so grateful that I have gone through this because I have seen so many ways in which my life can be more fulfilling and can be more peaceful and can be more joyful. And 
I was missing that whole big chunk of it a year ago when I first started gambling. And so it truly has made me grow into a much better person, no pun intended. So I, I, I love that piece of it. And I love being able to help people heal from the inside out because a lot of people can stop gambling, right? A lot of people do it, but then you're still oftentimes stuck with the guilt, the shame, you know, the feeling of loss, like, oh, I, I, I want to keep betting still. I want to keep gambling still. I miss it where I have all this debt and I can't forgive myself for being in debt. And it just, it's so upsetting. And so you have all these negative feelings. And I, that's the piece that I really try to help people with in my podcast is getting that stuff all cleaned out and then filling it with good stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And I think too, the whole, I, I relate to the whole, I'm grateful I went through it. And I've, I've talked about this before. It's like, I have learned not only how to grow because when I was gambling and spending so much time in the casinos, I wasn't growing as a person. I was just stuck in this chaotic or this little ball of chaos, this, you know, on this, on this wheel of chaos. I'm trying to find yeah. the right words for it, but, um, and I wasn't growing as a person. I wasn't, I was, I was just existing. I was in this survival mode. And so coming out of it and, and recognizing the journey for what it is, you know, I, I found this whole level of empathy for others that I didn't even know I was missing. I always thought, oh, I'm a kind person. You know, I try and do right by people. Uh, but then I realized I, I was not as empathetic as I thought, you know, I, I have grown so much in that aspect and just, you know, learning about you, I think you mentioned uh, codependency, people, people pleasing, you know, learning about those issues and just learning how to manage my own, my own feelings, my own emotions. Like I was very emotionally stunted and I couldn't stand up for myself. I couldn't talk about my emotions because I was afraid that somebody would react poorly to them. And, and a lot of that was from, from the abuse I had experienced. And so, you know, to learn how to navigate and how to have conversations and how to stand up for myself and how to fight for myself and advocate for myself and what I needed. And just, just the learning from that alone, um, has been amazing. And then to, to just step into this community and say, Hey, I'm learning so much about myself and I want to help others navigate it too. Yeah. I look back at the journey all the time and I'm, I'm super grateful. Like, did it suck? Yes. Do I wish some of it didn't happen? Absolutely. But at the end of the day, I'm, I'm grateful for where I'm at today because of it. Oh, that's awesome. I'm really happy to hear that. And I know others feel the same too. And I know others are also at the beginning of their journey. And uh, it's not an easy road. You know, I still have really bad days where I am drowning in debt and have to figure that out. And I'm now unemployed. I lost my job um, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, whatever it was. And so I'm interviewing right now, like I'm jobless. I can't get any lower financially, but it's okay. It honestly is okay. Um, because I've done so much more healing in other areas. And I too, uh, I took a lot of things for granted. And I um, was comparing myself to other people quite a bit. You know, there's that comparison game, especially I had to take myself all off of social media because social media can be terrible with regard to that. 
And um, I wasn't doing enough to, I mean, I, I, I think you talked about um, in one of your episodes, a little bit of self-isolation. And I have some <laughs> listeners who have mentioned to me, yeah, I pretty much disconnected from everyone and everything and, and have just kind of lived in my own little bubble. And that's not healthy either. So uh, there are a lot of things. I mean, I think we could talk all night about how we've oh, grown sure. and what we've done and what we needed to do. But at the end of the day, um, I, I think that the community of problem gamblers, uh, in particular women, is going to continue to grow. And if I can just give any message out there, it's that there are people here who care about you and want to help you and are there for you and that there are resources out there. Uh, and in my case, living out in the country the way I did, I didn't have, have a lot of local resources, but certainly there are some online uh, that are really helpful. Yeah, there are a lot of great ones. I keep them listed in the show notes um, on my Facebook page and in the group. Um, there's You've got Recovery Road online. There's meetings throughout the day, gamblersandrecovery.com. There's meetings 24-7 all over the world. Um, I want to go ahead and mention Gamban. They used to sponsor the podcast. They're a great company. And since online gambling was what was we were talking about today, um, Gamban is a great product to load on your phone. It blocks all those online sites and can give you a nice buffer as you're trying to recover from gambling harm. Uh, there's, And then we have the Facebook groups. There's the Broke Girl Society Facebook group, uh, which I think we're almost 1,300 women strong in there. Um, it's an amazing support group. And we also have Women Gamblers in Recovery, which is another Facebook support group. There's Recovery Road Online Women's Group. So there are a lot of support groups online if you can at, handle the social media aspect of it. Um, that's just the easiest way for me to, to create a space for women um, because, you know, you mentioned the self-isolation and I thought early on, I have a tendency to self-isolate because I get emotionally overwhelmed and I don't know how to handle it. And I thought creating a Facebook page or space group with other women would maybe help me not self-isolate because I could probably share exactly what I'm going through and they would completely understand uh, how I'm feeling and what I'm going through. And so that was kind of what pushed me to, to add that along with the podcast. Um, and so those are, those are a bunch of great resources, just to name a few. Um, if you're in the States, 1-800-GAMBLER is going to be the most prevalent throughout, throughout the country for um, resources and help. You also have um, gamblersanonymous.org is another great website. They have online meetings uh, throughout the day as well. So I kind of took a little minute there to share some of the, the resources, you know, with you guys. Also, you have a you have a book that they can get on Amazon, which is the Feeling Better book, right? Mm -hmm. That goes along with your podcast that you're reading out. On yes, the it's exactly the same as what I read the first 15 episodes of my podcast. Um, so you can buy the book if that's something, if somebody's not a listener and prefers to read hard copy or physical copy, it's paperback. Um, but it is free verbatim read out loud on the podcast itself, too. So they can find it there. And they can find your podcast anywhere, anywhere there's 
podcast, right? Oh, yeah, everywhere. It's everywhere. And it's also on my website, The Feeling Better. Uh, so there are links there that take them to the different podcast platforms, or there's actually a player embedded on the website there that they can listen to from that. Fantastic. And how can somebody get a hold of you if they want to reach out to you? Oh, I love emails. I don't know about you, but emails are my favorite part. I love getting emails from people. I get emails from men and women, um, some of them sharing, you know, positive things and others asking for help and support and prayer. Um, so I would love to hear from anybody who's interested in reaching out. My email address is Maria at thefeelingbetter.com. Oh, that's great. I love emails too. And I love sometimes, you know, I'll go through these little phases and and I'm not sure that we really kind of got into that about how tough it is to be vulnerable sometimes and to share stories and kind of the, I, early on, I kind of went through this phase of like, well, the worst stuff that I talk about is what everybody's going to know about me, right? That I'm Christina, this gambler that I've, you know, done all these things and caused all this harm. Um, And so I went through this phase of like, that's all anybody's ever going to remember about me. And it was really, really hard. And then I did some media and that didn't go well. You know, when a lot of times when media wants to talk about gambling harm, they want like the salacious details, you know, they've got to sell their, their magazines, their articles, whatever it is they're selling. And so they, they go to like the salacious stuff and then they like make the salacious stuff worse than it really was. Right. And, you know, so I had these experiences where I was just kind of ripped open, you know, by, by media on, you know, sharing my experience. And so it, it gets really, really hard to do that. Um, and so I'll have moments where like, maybe, I, maybe I'm not meant for this. And then I'll get an email and somebody is just saying the sweetest kind of things, you know, how my, my story and, and all the stories that I've shared over the last three years um, has helped them. And then I'm just like, okay. And then it just kind of reminds me that I love this community. I love, um, you know, sharing my story. I love sharing other stories and just having this conversation, just like today, having you come on and, and sharing parts of your story and, and how you're impacting this community as well through the work that you're doing. Oh yeah. You know, it's funny because the very first thing that I listened to uh, after I realized I had a serious problem and that I was in deep trouble. Um, I'm, I've always been an audiobook listener. I love audiobooks. I've listened to them for years and years. And so I did a search on Audible and I found Stacy Goodwin's book. And her story was so raw and so real and so genuine. And I identified with her story so much that that was one of the things that kept going through my mind as I was putting my book together was her book made me really feel like, okay, Maria, you're not the only one out there. Other people experienced this too. And there are probably others. And just knowing she went through that, what I was going through made me feel like there was a friend there that understood, even though I'd never talked to her, I didn't even reach out to her, but it impacted me so much. I listened to it three times and then I thought, okay, if she's doing that and I'm feeling that way in regard to her book, it, that there's comfort in knowing other people have gone through it, then I can do the same for someone else. And so that's what prompted me to put my story out there versus leaving it out. I thought about it, like you said, it's really, really tough. Uh, making yourself vulnerable and putting your story out there, especially in detail. 
but I also want to juxtapose the deepest, darkest, darkest part of my story to the light part of my story and where I am today, because I don't think that's as impactful unless you knew I was going through it in almost real time, you know, what that felt like. And so I wanted to share and, and show that to people. Yeah. And she, she is absolutely fantastic. I've talked to her a few times and she was on the podcast early on and she, what's so interesting is I was a brick and mortar gambler. Like I never online gambled. Um, it's not legal here in, in my state. Not that it really matters. I think, right. um, but it's, it's not something that I was aware of. Thank goodness for that. Um, I can't imagine the damage I could do if I was just, if I didn't have to get dressed. Cause I'm one of those people that does not leave the house in my PJs. You know what I mean? Right. Like I'm one of those people that like, get dressed, leave the house. And so it's like, if I could have stayed in my comfy clothes and played like, oh gosh. Yeah. Um, but you know, what's interesting about her story is though, I even connected with it because she did a bit of both mm -hmm. uh, gambling and the landscape of gambling, of course, is different in the UK, but it's still the emotions. Like I connected with it every time. I remember her specifically talking about the crumpled dollar bill that she pulled out of her wallet, you know, and she's yep. like out of her pocket and she's like trying to straighten it to get it into the machine. And I remember I've had those moments of like, ah, this is the last dollar I've got, but somehow I'm going to win back everything I just lost with this one wrinkly dollar or $5 or whatever it was. And I remember having one of those same exact moments of doing that, of trying to get it to to feed into the machine. And um, yeah, and she's doing some really, really fabulous stuff over there. The UK has amazing resources. They're really coming in for the women. Um, I mean, they, they're really showing up right now for women over there. And so I hope, you know, as we keep sharing our stories and we keep, keep advocating and, and talking um, that will shine some light on, on all of us. Uh, one of my favorite quotes is shame, dies in safe spaces. And, um, you know, a lot of us have carried a lot of shame because yeah. of, of this addiction and for our behaviors and, and things like that. But that's the beautiful thing about the safe spaces that are created, um, between all of us is that, you know, you don't have to carry that shame no. in front of me. Like that I'm just hoping that we can eventually make it such a safe topic that, that people feel comfortable getting the help that they need. And uh, that's, that's the point I think all of us share. Oh, yeah. Uh, the part at the end of her story, when she talked about her, her first trip to Gordon Moody and how, you know, she was so apprehensive and full of anxiety at first, and then just found this group of women who all understood and who were all in the same boat with the same feelings and the same experiences. And um, that, that really is what prompted me. I, I, in fact, I tried looking, I don't know if you know, to this day, I don't know, because I am not as well versed in what's out there with regard to uh, inpatient or um, recovery facilities. But are there any here in the, in the U.S. that are specifically for women gamblers? There are, I don't know if they're specifically for women, but there are three, three for sure in the U.S. that are gambling specific. So you're not going to, and I think there's some smaller programs. Um, like I think Oregon has a good one. Ohio has a good one, but it may be like um, kind of mixed in with alcohol and drugs, but 
in, you know, you've got Algamas, which is in uh, Prescott, Arizona, and they are gambling specific. You're not going to be mixed in with um, drug and alcohol. Um, and I think that they can work with your with comorbidity if you're dealing with another issue, mm-hmm. but it's gambling specific. Um, there is in Minnesota, there's Vanguard, which is gambling specific inpatient. And then, of course, in Louisiana, there's core which is gambling specific. And as far as I know, they're all, they're all co-ed, but um, those three, so those three are for sure gambling specific, 30, 30 days, six week inpatient. Um, If you live in the state of Minnesota, it's free to go to Vanguard. If you live in the state of Louisiana, it's free to go to core. Um, Arizona takes commercial insurances. And I think they're the only ones that does. So other than that, there is a premium to it. But a lot of times if you can work with your state council, whatever state you're in, and and they'll kind of have like a step process and they feel like maybe you need more than what the resources are available in your state. A lot of times they'll help cover the cost of that. Um, I can't guarantee that for anybody, but I've heard plenty of stories where that has been the case because it's expensive. It is expensive. Um, even just, you know, if you don't have health insurance, even just going for counseling uh, can be expensive. And so I would love, I mean, one of the, one of the things I think would be fantastic if every state could have something like that, because I think uh, there are, I, I don't remember, I, I cited the stats on one of my podcasts, but all but I think five or six states have some form of physical or online casino and so the numbers are just going to continue to grow as iGaming and online casinos become more popular and bills get passed to approve those in different states. And so unfortunately, like I said, we're just on the cusp. Yeah, unfortunately, this issue isn't going anywhere, but that's why we get to keep keep talking about it. And hopefully, you know, having these conversations will just um, filter through and and you know, it's, it's all comes back to that ripple effect mm-hmm. of us healing and then being able to help others. And that's all, that's a big key to recovery is the service work that we do. And I know a lot of people are like, I can only manage to barely do the work I need for myself to think about helping others right now. is just really, really overwhelming. And I completely understand that. Um, and I would find ways that, that you can, you know, if you're, part of the Facebook groups, you know, a way to show service is to maybe put an encouraging note on somebody's post of like, somebody might be having a bad day. And if you just put in there, Hey, things do get better. You know, that's a good way to show service work. Um, it could, it could be in a lot of different, different ways, but it's a big part of my recovery. Um, it sounds like it's a big part of your recovery and, you know, I'm always thinking about what we can do in this community to make it better. I just want people to know that there's hope and that you can overcome it. And who knows where that takes me down the road, you know, maybe in my retirement years, or once I get out of debt, I can help uh, do some service work. And, you know, I would, I, my dream would be to open up some type of rural country, beautiful, peaceful retreat of some sort, similar to Gordon Moody, where I can help um, women or men, whatever, you know, with regard to gambling addiction, it's now a passion of mine and I have a heart for those who are stuck in it. And, um, I think whether young or old or male or female or sports betting or online slots, whatever, that we're all 
we're all in this together, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I thank you so much for coming on and just talking with me. I'm, you know, I know sometimes I get a little off track, um, but I really enjoyed the conversation. Yeah, me too. It's great. I appreciate it. I think you and I have so much in common and could talk all night long if we wanted to. So I mean, we have to put parameters around it somehow, but it's been fantastic. I'm so excited to finally have been on your podcast. I think you do great things. And, uh, you know, if there's ever anything I can do to assist or help or support in any way with you and BGS, just let me know. I will. Thank you so much.